Let's pray. Glorious and mighty God, we do thank you for this day. And I'm very encouraged by that message that we just had about hope. Hope in the Lord. Hope in what the Lord has achieved and hope in what he's yet to achieve. So Lord, as you help me to deliver this message, I pray that people prepare their hearts, that you give them ears to hear, hearts to receive and eyes to see. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. So, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, yes, I was young once, I was always imitating someone, be it a TV or sci-fi character like Starskin Hutch or Captain Kirk or a superhero like Spider-Man or Batman. Now, I'm not going to show you, I'm not going to barrel roll over the chairs now. Just take my word for it, I used to imitate them. Why? Because I wanted to be like them and it felt cool, didn't it? One, I'm assuming most of us were young at some point. <laughs> and we did imitate people in the playground. Yeah? Can I get an acknowledgement on that? All right. Just so I'll make sure I'm, the target audience is receptive to what I'm trying to say. I wanted to be a part of one of their adventures and do all the exciting things they did and predominantly to get the girl. (laughs) For me, there were role models that I aspired to, to be like and to live like, to have their courage and strength to overcome and to help and protect people who needed help. So today's message is called Be Imitators of Christ and the key verse is Ephesians 5 verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. So let's break down what does imitating entail. Merriam-Webster defines it as to follow as a pattern, model or example. To mimic or counterfeit. To be or appear like, as in resemble. Or to produce a copy of, i.e. reproduce. But Strong's Bible Dictionary defines it in the New Testament as being follow an example. Paul, a number of times in his letters to the churches, encourages them to imitate Jesus and also Paul's example as he imitates Jesus. Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Some key things Jesus' life showed while he walked among us. He came to serve, not to be served. I think that was already mentioned today in the worship. He came to seek and to save the lost. Again, I think that was mentioned in worship. He came to show the world who God is. And he came to heal and release his people. As Jesus shows us, our testimony and lifestyle influence greatly someone coming to God, be it a family member, a work colleague, or a stranger. There will be struggles and challenges in imitating Jesus. However, we must keep in focus why we should diligently keep imitating him. What are the challenges we as a church face in being an imitator of Christ? Before I go on to my next slide, what do you think are the key challenges we face at the church today? Distractions. Sorry? Distractions. Distractions, yeah. From what? Social media. Yeah. Anything else? Materialism. Yeah. It's a big challenge to us today. Jobs. Say that again? Jobs. Jobs. Who said jobs? 
Yeah, they can be, because if you're looking for something and you don't attain it, that's going to be your focus. Amen. Thank you, brother. You should have been at the men's breakfast. That's what we were touching about yesterday. <laughs> culture. I think what all you guys talked about cultural overarch all of those. It's the challenge to the gospel since Jesus' time. He battled culture. That's all he had. He was battling against the culture that was in place at the time. The Pharisees, the old thinking that people had. We have new thinking in this age. And we are always butting against something. But it's normally culture. Ourselves. That's not allowing God to shape us into his image. That's the next battle you'll have. You're fighting the outside world and you're fighting within. But let me ask you, are we influencing others or are others influencing us in this time? Mm. Why do you say both? But should it be? That's the challenge. When people look at us, they should be able to see what God has done in our lives. And he is the focus, not the influence of others. So I'll confirm, I'll talk that through as well. Now I'm not to say, when we've got positive role models, I'm not to say, don't let them influence you. Because they will. My church leaders have influenced me in how I preach, in how I talk about how I see life. That's not a bad thing. But at the end of the day, the reason they're influencing me is that I reflect Jesus, not them. It's no point me being a carbon copy of Pastor David or Pastor Rana. I need to be a copy of Jesus for to be seen in this world. Do you get where I'm going now? Okay. Jesus lived within the parameters of the culture he was in, but never contradicted any of God's ways. Remember the story about, should he pay taxes? They were trying to trip him up. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God. Even Peter, he said to Peter, look, we need to pay the taxes, go and fish. And the fish pops up and there's a denarius, I think, in in the fish's mouth, and he paid the taxes. Again, living within the culture, but not disregarding God's ways. He always found common ground and used different approaches to share his message of good news. We also must not assimilate the culture we live in, but find common ground to share the gospel and make it relevant to people's needs and thinking, as Paul did many times on his travels. I don't know about you men, but my wife always likes to see what I'm wearing before I go out anyway. Can we testify to that? Amen. She is my self-appointed fashion police. Why? Because I'm representing her, even if she's not with me. We are doing the same for Jesus when we go into the world and confess that we are Christians. Once Jesus ascended, the disciples stepped up a gear, growing in boldness and faith with the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And the Bible shows the disciples took the gospel into the nations, but more importantly, it's the gospel that took them into the nations, led by and compelled by God. It's not religion that inspires and motivates us to action, but our relationship with the one true God through Jesus Christ. Amen. 
the obedience of faith and gratitude is pleasing to God. However, acts of obedience that are just for show or ritual will not please God. Read the scriptures, the gospels. The Pharisees were following rituals and laws, thinking, yeah, that's pleasing to God. But they'd missed the point. If there's no heart for Jesus in what we do for God, it will be for naught and our loss. Do you hear, church? Don't do things out of ritual. Don't do things out of show. Do it with a heart for God. And you'll receive the blessing for it. Try to avoid the following to be a good example for Christ. Selfish motives and desires. I think we touched on this earlier in the year when I was preaching about who you are. Giving up. This is one of the key things for believers we have to strive against. Giving up. Because there's going to be times where the world is going to try and squeeze every ounce of Jesus out of you. And you're going to want to give up. But keep going. Arguing with the body. Let me explain this one. You want the gospel to change for you, not you for the gospel. Do you understand that? So you're going to wrap scripture around to do what you want to do. But that's not what scripture is telling you to do. You can't do that. I've butted against so many people, believers and unbelievers alike, that just want God to change for them, but not them to change for God. Allowing yourself to be dragged down to the world's level, that's pretty self-explanatory. Don't become like the world. Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. I don't know if the last five years haven't shown us that, the abuse of authority and power. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus never abused his power or authority over others for selfish motives. And we should also follow his example in this, in in whatever way we have influence over or do in our lives. Jesus left us an example of humility and readiness to serve and see glorified, God glorified at any cost. 1 Peter 4 verses 1 to 2. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So I'll just give that some context. Peter is encouraging believers who are under great persecution at that time. Believe me, church, we're still under persecution. There's parts of the world where you cannot say you're a Christian without your life being threatened. I think Pastor Anna touched on it in the prayer session that we, the studies have shown, Christians are the most persecuted people around the world. But no one shouts about it. We are facing persecution in all shapes of form. In how we even conduct services now, we're being challenged by the law. We are under persecution. Now, we may not be physically under persecution. We may not be feeling people's beatings physically, but spiritually, we are being persecuted. In imitating Christ, we should expect that. 
Just as we will be raised with him, we should also expect to suffer and endure persecution for him, just as he did for us. However, look at these times as opportunities to glorify and draw closer to God as he walks with us through these tough times. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 to 9 So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. He's an example. Here is an example of trusting in God and showing patience and endurance under persecution. Church, I would encourage you, give up everything that would endanger your relationship with Jesus and keep your focus on him alone. Trials and sufferings are the training ground for Christian maturity. A quote from A.W. Tozer. When I understand that everything happened to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Yeah? There's many times in my life God has sideswiped me and something's happened and I have to go back to him and say, Lord, I don't understand why, but your will be done. I have to keep going. I have to keep hoping. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all never saw the fulfillment of the promise, but Jacob, Isaac and Abraham all believed in the promise. The prophets prophesied about the coming of the saviour never saw the revelation of Jesus but they believed he would come Jesus came he said he would die and rise again his disciples didn't understand but when they saw the risen Christ all of them apart from one died never disputing that he had done that we've got to believe church these things happen in our lives But don't draw away from God, draw closer to him. God calls us to be an example before him and before others. If we do not maintain Jesus' example consistently at both these levels, we will impact the effectiveness of the gospel and our impact for God. Both levels impact believers and the world alike. Again, we touched on this in the men's breakfast. It's not just the words we speak. It's our actions that we do in the world. I mean, I could preach the greatest preacher in the world now. I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm just saying I could. But if I go home and then I start blaspheming, or I start looking at pornography, or I start doing stuff, you know, kicking the cat. I haven't got a cat church before the RSPCA comes. But if I'm doing things like that, I'm, not, I'm preaching one thing and doing another. And we can't be doing that, church. Remember our witness is always by word and deed, together, consistently applied for Jesus. Paul provides some great practical examples in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 to 22. I haven't got time to go into that, just make a reference point on that one. As believers, we have two main priorities. To foremost, maintain and develop a deeper relationship with God. And to maintain good relationships with others, especially believers. 
we have to follow Jesus' example at both an individual personal level and at a corporate church level. So, again, that was the example I used. If I'm all God-like here on a Sunday morning, but I'm not all God-like at home or at work, it, the two won't marry. Being an imitator of Christ builds our character, self-esteem and spiritual self. And we see many times in the Bible, God calls a person and then affirms the calling. Jesus did this with Peter. His initial call was by the lake of Gennesaret. And his affirming call was beside the same lake when he restores Peter and encourages him again to follow him. Quote from Who Am I Really? A Journey to Discover Your True Identity, You Version Bible Plan by Living in Truth Ministries. And it says... God doesn't usually call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Church, keep going. I keep saying, I'll keep saying it, church, keep going. Just because what God promised you one day hasn't seen the fruit. That's what I'm saying about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They didn't see the fulfillment. But if you keep trusting in the Lord, you'll see more than you ever imagined. Don't give up, but trust in what God is calling you into. Sometimes the bumps and failures are the making of who God wants you to become. Here are some elements from 2 Peter 1 verses 5 to 8, which I hope will help us remain sharp for God. We need to show faith. Let me ask you this question. How do you know you've got faith? No one wants to answer. Okay. Yeah. How, yeah. How does God know you've got faith? Yeah. But in the Bible, many times, how does God show that someone's got faith? Testing. Yeah. You won't have faith, or you won't know you have faith until God tests you. Then you know you've got faith. There's virtue and excellence. That's something we need to achieve. Virtue is a very, very small commodity nowadays. But we, as a church, can show God's virtue. We can show his excellence. Knowledge and self-control. Again, the world is very contrary to this at the minute. For me, their knowledge isn't knowledge. It's all about how far you can go. That's not knowledge, that's just you doing what you want to do. Steadfastness and perseverance, we've touched on that already. We as Christians have to stick to that. And we need to be godly and show brotherly love to one another. Brotherly and sisterly love, sorry sisters, to one another. How can we as God's children help one another to be imitators of Christ? Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. 
just again to give you some context. The cloud, crowd of witnesses that has been spoken about here are the champions of faith in Hebrews 11. It's people like Abraham and Noah, those who put their faith in God. And he's saying, you've seen these guys, be encouraged by their example. Jesus made many come alive by his example when he walked the earth. But he's made more, he's made a multitude of people come alive through his death and resurrection. And he's still continuing to do this to this very day. John 12 verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a perfect harvest of new life. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's reminding them that he as a saviour must go into Jerusalem and die. And this is one of the key points he's making here. About he's going to have to die for many to live. We should try to imitate Jesus' ways, making time for prayer and fellowship along with God and with other believers. But remember, he also made time for people and changed plans to accommodate this. 1 Thessalonians 1 provides a good example for us as the church. Again, I'm not going to show you the verse, but just take these points. The Thessalonian church, again, a church on the persecution, worked for God. They endured hardships, but they rejoiced in the gospel. They spread the message, but they were wholehearted in their commitment. John 4 verse 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Church, take enjoyment and strength in the work God has for you to do for him. Now, don't narrow all, all the time the work that you think God's going to do for you to be in the church. I'm bivocational. I help with the church and I've got a full-time job. And I'm a family man as well. But God influences all three. So whatever you put your hand to do, do it joyfully to the Lord. And God will be with you. Jesus is the example we must follow and the standard our words and deeds should be measured against. So in imitating him, we can learn to grow closer to him personally, love him more deeply and serve him more faithfully. Only through a deepening relationship with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will we be able to imitate Jesus in any way. Only then will our conduct and speech mirror Jesus' ways and teachings. But we do need to train ourselves to think and act like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, the influence of faithful spirit-filled believers, the obedience of God's word and will, and the sacrificial and faithful service to him. A quote from Divine Direction, New Version Bible Plan by Craig Groeschel. God didn't create us to be takers, he created us to be givers. Our culture teaches us to see to ourselves. Jesus teaches us to see to others through his strength. Doing it in his strength, you will endure and be fulfilled. And when we serve, we become like Christ. There is no feeling or experience like pleasing the Lord and feeling his joy in your heart. The healthiest Christians have three types of people in their life. You've got individuals running ahead of you. 
These are the ones who mentor and encourage you. Individuals running behind. These are the people who you take time to mentor and encourage. And then you'll have individuals running alongside. These are the people running at the same pace. Can you see the different layers that you need to have a healthy Christian life? So you're always going to be at those three levels all the time, aren't you? For myself, I've always had good leaders above me to encourage me and mentor me. Now, as I'm preaching now, I'm trying to mentor you and encourage you. But there'll be people at the same level as me, running not at the same pace, but they're running the same race, and we can encourage one another at the same time. Philippians 4 verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Church, a lot of our Christian life is enhanced and enlightened by following the example of godly believers. Let me recommend we we join in imitating Paul and keep our eyes on walking according to the example of Jesus. We see through the Gospels, Jesus watched over and prayed for one another. Jesus enjoyed fellowship. How many stories did we see Jesus going to a feast? Someone invited him somewhere. He most of the time said, yeah, I'll come. I'll have bre- I'll break bread with you. He wanted to make that time with them to talk through with them. Teach and encourage one another. Jesus did that all the time as he walked with the disciples. And then be a spiritual parent or mentor to another person. Again, we saw that with Jesus and his core three, Peter, James and John. In closing, here are four points I'd like to share with you regarding imitating Jesus. The first one is truth. Three things on truth. We need to live by the truth. We need to live in the truth. And we need to reflect the truth. John 8, verses 31 to 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let me ask you, who is the truth? You're really quiet, church. Who is the truth? Jesus. All right. Because he seemed a bit reluctant to say that the first time. Let me ask the question again. Who is the truth? Jesus. Amen. Listen, church, if we can't say it in church, how are we going to say it out in the world? Come on. Jesus is the truth. And in all three aspects, we need to be like Jesus, reflecting him and his truth. The second point is selflessness. We need to show the selflessness that Jesus showed. We need to show sacrificial love, loving those who are hard to love and to forgive them. Remember, Peter was challenged by this when he said to the Lord, Lord, if someone wrongs me, how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? Peter thinking, yeah, yeah, seven's a good number. And what does Jesus come back with? (coughs) 70 times seven. Yes. Many times. That's the hard bit. Sacrificial love. You can love someone, but to forgive them as well? 
That's sacrificial. Sacrificial times, as in setting aside time for the benefit of others. That's everybody, church. That's not just family members. Sometimes it's that person at work. I can't say this on the camera, but anyway. There's that person at work who will catch you just as you're going through the door. Five minutes before I'm going through the door, and I'm still there, five to whatever, because I need to talk to this person. They need me to talk to them. That's sacrificing time, church. Galatians 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, because at just the right time you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Now I've put mentoring here, but I was just thinking as we were doing the worship, mentoring and friendship is what I should have put. Help develop someone's faith. Try to be a friend to those around us, even the ones we find challenging to deal with sometimes. Proverbs 17 verse 7. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. That's what Paul and the apostles did. They mentored and helped others to grow and even in Paul's case corrected one another. Sometimes we need to be a father or a mother, a brother or sister figure to someone. Be an example someone can look up to. I watched a program about Barack Obama and how his time as president was greatly influenced by people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln as their focus and desire was about unity and about unifying the country. But he also had many times expressed about his faith which helped him to deal with challenges. We also need to do the same and not be afraid to speak about our faith to others. My last point is love. Love for God, love for ourselves and love for others. Love for God is paramount. In loving God we are transformed by his love and begin to know him, walk with him and understand what he has done and who he is to us. These are paramount to us and help us to be able to be selfless and to live by his truth. Love for ourselves. There may be a few of us who are not fully walking in what God has for us as they believe how can God love them or use them. They don't love themselves, so how can God love them? God God does love you more than you know, so let God do his work in you. And finally, love for others. With the Holy Spirit at work empowering us, taking us to where we need to go, we can and will show great love, a gappy love to many who need to receive his love. And those who may not know God, the overflow of God's love will come out of us. So four key things to take away from today. Learn to imitate Jesus by knowing his truth, reflecting his selflessness, being a friend, and living in his love. Let our lives reflect who Jesus is. Let that be our focus, and let's step into what God is calling us to do, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heavenly merciful Father, we thank you. Lord, if we can be an iota of an imitator for you, I pray that we are. I pray, Lord, that We may not walk on water, but we can do wonders in this world. 
we can show people who you are. That's all the disciples did when they were taken into the nations to talk about you. They told stories of what you did. And praise God, the Bible reflects those. But the Bible, I think John says, there are many more things you could say in, this, in the word, but they are not shown. But Lord, we know that it's testimony, your testimony, which was so powerful to people when you walked the earth. They saw something different about you. They could see that you had authority. The Pharisees challenged you daily. On what authority did you do this? Even the people who saw you heal knew that you were healing under a bigger power. And Lord, as we go out into the world, we serve a good God. We serve an almighty God. We serve an all-powerful God. But we serve a loving God who is merciful in every way, who is gracious beyond measure. And Lord, let that be what empowers us, encourages us to show who you are, to live as we should live. We live in the fulfillment of what the prophets prophesied about. We live not under law, but under grace. And it's by your grace, Lord, we pray that we go out into the world, that we show your love, that we speak your word, and that we live by your truth. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.